Hi folks, welcome to this week's edition of the Finance Hour. The topic of this week's show is Managing Career Transitions. My guest is Karina Alter, the Director of Altered Career. Karina is an expert career and leadership consultant who helps people with their career transitions. She's coached over 2,000 individuals, including people starting out in their career, re-entering the workforce, executives, business owners, right through to those at the retirement stage. Karina gives us some great insight into how you should define success in your career, and it may not all be about money and power. She also gives us insight into how the nature of work is changing and the need to upskill throughout your career to ensure your skills remain relevant. And be sure to listen to her top three tips for managing a career transition. In Ruben's rant, I talk about the newly introduced My Health Record, and my propeller head of the week is about another app which keeps me efficient in the workplace. Enjoy the show and be sure to leave, a, leave us a rate and review on the Finance Hour iTunes account. Good afternoon and welcome to the Finance Hour. Whether you're listening live on JR on our podcast, this is the show where we try and make sense of the world of business and finance and hopefully help you make better financial decisions. My name's Ruben Zelwa. I'm a financial planner and owner at Adapt Wealth Management. We're a boutique financial advice firm that work with business owners, professionals, and those planning for retirement. I've been doing this uh, podcast for about, oh, since January of last year, so I've done 40 episodes. So if you want to hear any of the previous ones, please head over to iTunes and search the Finance Hour, or you can go to adaptwealth.com.au and look at my podcast page. Now, just a quick warning from our lawyers. Anything we discuss today is general advice only. Don't go and uh, put anything in place yourself. Make sure you speak to your lawyer, accountant, financial advisor, or even your mate next door when he comes over for a barbecue, over a beer. So the topic of this week's show is managing career transitions. We have with us today Karina Alter, who is the director and business coach of Altered Career, aptly named. Uh, so Karina is a career and leadership coach. She coaches individuals around key transitions in their career, but also around life transitions like retirement. So we're going to have a, a great conversation with Karina. But before we do, it is time for Ruben's Rant. Ruben's Rant. Now, my rant this week is about the My Health uh, record, which is just coming on board now. For all of you, for those of you that don't know, my my health is an online summary of your health information in the one place. It's going to have your allergies, your medicines, your medical conditions, your pathology tests, the whole lot. So whether you're going to a GP or an emergency room, all the information is going to be there at your fingertips, and everyone is going to go onto this system unless you opt out by 15th of October 2018. Now, there's been a lot in the papers about privacy issues around this, uh, and people are some people are arcing up and saying they don't want their data to be available on this database because it may not be private. Uh, who knows what the government's going to use it for? And I understand there's been some technological issues as well. Now, I'm not saying that none of these complaints uh, have no validity, but I do, and certainly there's likely to be IT issues. But overall, I think that this new My Health thing is a good thing, particularly uh, when you have elderly people that have got multiple conditions. Anyone who's had a 
a you know a family member who's you know seen multiple doctors for multiple things there's a huge amount of difficulty in getting all the information together so i think that having the my health record is going to be going to really help people uh, and it's going to save a whole lot of paperwork and it's going to mean the information is there and hopefully lead to better medical care so I'm sure there'll be some teething issues with it, but let's be clear. Overall, I think this is a really good thing and probably overdue. And yes, me and my family will certainly not be opting out. Okay, that was my rant of the week. Uh, We're going to take a very quick break and then we will introduce Karina. Okay, welcome back to the Finance Hour. Today we are speaking with Karina Alter, the Director and Business Coach of Altered Career. Uh, Karina is a career and leadership coach. She coaches individuals about around key transitions in their career, but also around life transitions as well, like retirement. Uh, Karina also consults to organisations about how to m- best manage uh, their human resources as well. So Karina, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Reuben. Thanks for having me on the program. Hello, everyone. Okay. Well, Karina, look, the first question I usually ask people is uh, how do they start out? Uh, because I guess the career coaching is not necessarily a university degree uh, in career coaching. So let us know, what did you study at uni and and what was your path to getting to where you are today? Now, this is a great question for a career strategist because it's often a very long answer, but I won't won't give you a long (laughs) answer. Um, But I often talk to people about wanting to change careers and change jobs, and I can legitimately say that I've changed careers and jobs and how did I do it is what I share with people. Yeah. so along with that is there's lots of uh, qualifications and I actually did go to university to do yep. career coaching. So, oh, uh, you actually, yeah. there was actually a, a course in career coaching? Yeah, correct. Really? At RMIT, it's a postgraduate oh, wow. qualification. So, oh, okay. So I, I have done that. that. <laughs> and then there are professional associations worldwide yep. that you get um, accreditation yep. with because there's different methodologies and things like that. Yeah. But it's also a lot about the, like you were saying, it's not necessarily the degree that lets you put a coach up outside your door and say, I'm Mm. a coach, but it's the experience and skills that you've had to date that let you um, come into the space of of coaching. And for me, you know, that was working on workforce planning projects within organisations or changing careers. So I started in forensics and then worked at ANZ Bank. So in forensics, (laughs) what kind of, what kind of forensics? The forensics you're probably thinking of. So, oh, really? Yes, down in Kavanagh Street, South Melbourne. Oh, wow. Yeah, down at the at the morgue. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I you better you be nice say, to me. <laughs> I thought you were going to say forensic accounting or something like that. No, no, no Actually, no, no. the real stuff. Yes. Okay, so... Um, so when did you start uh, this current business that you're that you're running now? So I've been in career and leadership coaching and change consulting for about 10 years now. Yeah. On my own, and before that, I was like I did that workforce planning project at the at the police. Yeah. Um. So I was doing it within organisations as well. Okay. So yeah. when we talk about coaching, there's lots of different coaches out there today. Sure, I mean, yeah. I personally use a business coach. Yes. Uh, who I find to be fantastic. Uh, there are people obviously advertising as life coaches as well. That's 
We've got psychologists, which are maybe is in a slightly is a related field as well. But uh, can you maybe just for our listeners explain what exactly is career coaching? Yeah, and I get asked this a lot, <laughs> and often I get told, "How do people know about people like you? I didn't know people like you existed," <laughs> and that sort of thing. Um, people are really um, know a lot about business coach, and perhaps the one people most know about is sports coach. Yeah, and it's quite similar. It's about developing people at all different levels to perform at their best. Mm -hmm. So it is about feedback and direction and motivation um, and accountability. But a career coach, I guess, is a lot more of a two-way alliance where you're very much involved in diagnosing your current situation, Mm -hmm. very much about what goals am I going to set and where where do I want to go and how I'm going to get there. Um, And it's about having conversations. So if you meet with a career coach, it'll be conversation, it'll be questions, and it'll be tools that they'll use to help Mm -hmm. you work out where you you are and where you want to be. So when people come to you, are they... Are they often coming at a point of crisis or not crisis, but a point of, you know, where they really sort of need help and someone's giving your name or or are they coming more proactively? So I do work a lot in the like redundancy outplacement space, either people who are affected by redundancy or at risk of it. I would say that's more at crisis point, but different people react differently. Uh, I'd love people to be proactive and be doing career checks and Mm. rather than getting to the point of stuck and... Um, and then a whole lot of things transpire once you get stuck or feel mm. unmotivated in a career. Um, so more often than not, I'll get people when they're in crisis, but yeah. definitely do a lot of work in the um, trying to, that pre- preventative space. And that's where I do the executive and leadership mm. coaching mm. is much more in that um, preventative space. Yeah. So I imagine that people are very, if they're coming across, they're, they're vulnerable, they're emotional, all that sort of, all that sort of thing. I mean, Correct. do you have sort of you know training and help helping deal with that because yeah often you're getting stuck or unmotivated Mm. is or loss of a job or employment Mm. or direction um is multi-layered so sometimes it could be mental health with Mm. um and i i work with other professionals Mm. um to support that person to be the best that they can be so i'll work with let's say a psychologist if that's who they're seeing um there's lots of you know at the moment i'm working with someone and a stylist Mm. because it's all about their um outward presentation Mm. so it just depends what that is um and often it's hard to make decisions when you're really down yeah um so it's not the best time to be making decisions about your future if if you're feeling really um clouded in in your yeah you don't have that clarity yeah and as a parent of sort of teenage boys one yeah. of which is going to year 12 soon yes uh do you work at all with uh with with sort of younger people coming out of university or or that sort of age group as well yeah good question i think um we talked about what is career coaching and, and people are really familiar with the term career counsellor yeah. and they often shudder and they're like, oh, that's the person I saw in year 11 yeah, and it yeah. was no help. And, right. and then and I tried to And they did that uni. test, that test yeah. and they said I should be a fisherman or something. Correct, yeah. correct. So we don't tend to, well, sometimes we use assessments, but it's a lot more done through conversation mm. and um, a whole lot of different tools when you're dealing with adults. Yeah. Uh, I personally don't play in that career um, counselling space at school. So Mm. in terms of VCEs and subject selection and um, university course selection, I more work with people once they've started on the journey of uni right through to retirement and beyond. Okay, so so not in the course selection, but even when they're at uni. Yes. Like planning their their first 
yeah, their first move. Yes. To work with people. Or they who, feel that they've gotten it wrong. Right, right. <laughs> so you work with people from a, a really broad age gap. Yes. Age yes. group. Yeah. 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 And so you've been doing this for 10 years. Yes. Uh, have you... I mean, I know you deal with individuals, but have you noticed any sort of significant trends or changes in in the way people work? Over oh, the absolutely. Past 10 well, years? I work within organisations as well because yeah, I help okay. them um, make workplaces the place where people want to be. So that's culture change, or that might be yeah. um, helping them um, upskill their workforce to be able to respond. There are heaps of changes from a career point of view. Um, you know that could be a whole program in itself but you mm. know i think reskilling i think the old model of um sort of like i think about it like a slingshot like that that loading up at the beginning of your years with training and education mm. like let's do year 12 let's do uni mm. and then you let go the spring and that's mm. all i need to do to flourish yeah i think that model is gone Mm. And the idea of having to reskill, upskill, mm. and that can be everything from a two-day course to another three, four-year-blown yeah. something, yeah. is definitely a change, and they see that continuing. And is that is that partly driven by technological change and technology taking over certain roles, or is there another? Yeah, reason absolutely, for that? absolutely. There's there's so many things that are putting pressure on that, um, but definitely technical, you know, automation, technology. Um, aging workforce, mm. um, the nature of work being a lot more transitory, if you like. Mm. Um, we're not staying in the same place and organisations aren't doing the thing that they did the same way um, forever. Yeah. makes us um, that reskilling mm. really important. And mm. where I've seen it have a real impact are the conversations that are really happening around the redundancy space. So yeah. recently I've been going into organisations and the old model was uh, we need to save money or we're merging or we're changing or offshoring, whatever mm. the reasons are. Um, and they would let go a whole lot of people. But at the same time, they're still hiring in people. Yeah. Um, and the idea now is, well, why don't we use the people we've got and upskill them mm. and put them into roles rather than letting them go? Yeah. Um, and yeah. that's becoming a conversation changer. So yeah. I know, for example, Australia Post are doing a lot to mm. reskill their truck drivers and posties mm. to not necessarily leave and have to go find another career, but um, yeah. res- you know, become, I don't know, process engineers. But I imagine that's uh, more of a challenge in those big sort of older type organisations like the banks and maybe old government organisations mm. where people have been used to doing that one job for so long. Is that sort of change more difficult in that kind of environment as opposed to maybe a, I don't know, a, a younger type business? No, I think it's universal. And yeah. that responsibility of upskilling, I think that's where the debate is now. So it is, is it the organisation like the Aussie Posts of the world mm. that should upskill or is it the individual or should the government be stepping mm. in? And you've got places like Singapore which offer every citizen a um, money to upskill. Mm. So they encourage and offer everyone... Um, to go while you're in a job to get a, um, they call it second skilling. Um, So I think it touches every business Mm. that if you want to keep your staff, you've got to keep them skilled. And the onus is on the individual, but also I think the conversation's coming back around to the organisation. Okay, well, let's um, just go back a bit to talking about the individual. So uh, you suggested that um, when you're dealing with individuals, you're helping give them sort of clarity. Um, What... What is, uh, I guess everyone's got a different sort of measure of success of what, you know, in their yeah. career and stuff. What's, how, how do you uh, help people define, you know, what is success for them? 
Yeah, good question. And some people think, oh, it's such an easy question. But mm. when you really start having one-on-one conversations with people, it's a really difficult one. Mm. Um, and it's often layered. So it could be by through your upbringing that mm. you have a lot of ideas about what success is. And that could be... Um, and I sort of say there's four models of success and I talk people through them and see which model suits them. And often they can see that they've been thinking that a model of success is them, but in practice, in reality, it's not the one that fits them. So some mm. people might aspire to have a job title mm. and success is me having 30 people work under me or having yeah. 150 people work under me mm. because that's how traditionally organisations have defined success. Yeah. But success could be just remaining employed for mm. 45 years mm. it's interesting <laughs> it's interesting when you're in a business like when you're a small business like the first question people always ask is how many people do you have working with you yes like that's almost and like, that's a measure of yeah, success people, right? people almost look at that as a measure of success but i know very well you can have lots of people working for you, you can be stressed out of your mind and you can be not making any money <laughs> a- absolutely and and people can be making a lot of money and not being mm. successful mm. so I have that as well. But, you know, I had someone the other day that defined it as just being home at 6 p.m. to have dinner with their family. Yeah. So it can, so it can be really different how you, how you look at it. And I try to get people to look at success um, not just from a career point of view because you're a whole person mm. and a career is just one hat you wear and really look more broadly at success. So success in relationships, successes in the family, success in business and and to look at it more broadly because otherwise you look at let's say mums who've taken time off work and they go well i'm not successful because i'm not contributing Mm. money wise and that's totally not true so you've got to find a model of success that can fit when you are working and when you're not yeah i'm interested in your feedback on this as well because it's something that you know there's there's some similarities in what we do yeah Uh, and there's a lot of in financial planning there's a lot of talk about well you've got to come in you've got to find out clients goals and you've got to help them achieve those goals right but sometimes i think you know those goals may not be so meaningful right they might just say they've got a goal or they put it out there and then when they you know or say they put a dollar number out there that they want to earn then they get to that and they realize that's not enough so i often think that there's a uh, there's you know a bit of a difference some people maybe are are motivated by goals other people just want to live their life in a certain way and i personally always find i I find that model of people wanting to you know do what they do you know be fulfilled in what they do i found that more useful than just kind of setting goals what's your What's your take on that? I think there's different courses for different horses, as they mm. say. Um, and for some people, goals is really helpful. Mm. But I often ask people, have you ever set goals before? And if they've said no, mm. it's often probably not the most productive way to work yeah. with someone. So often yeah. I would say, uh, maybe in your situation, talking to clients that you do, you know, how do you see your future? Mm. What, do you, what do you see in it? Mm. And they might say, you know, I've got a holiday house and I've got seven kids and whatever. Yeah. And then you can work backwards from, mm. well, where are you today and how do we mm. get there? Mm. Um, so often it could be that visionary, like where is it? And, and really trying to make that a really descriptive, a really detailed picture mm. and work backwards. But it could... Sometimes for people it works going on what's your values and what's your motivation. Mm. So mm. if your value is hard work, mm. then that definitely is going to drive the way that you mm. manage yourself, your money, and, mm. and what your definition of success would be. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so 
I want to talk about, so people come to you, I imagine, uh, you know, one of the issues you, you were talking about people upskilling. Mm. So people get to a certain sort of stage in their career uh, and then it's a question of sort of where do they go from there? What's, what are the sort of challenges that people, what age do they come to you, for example, when they're sort of at that career crossroads or is it all sorts of ages and what are the, what are the problems that they're facing then? Look, a really common age is around the 35 to 45. Yeah. That what we'd call mid-career. Yeah. Um, I'm not where I thought I would be or I've been running in this direction for so long. Do I want to keep running in this direction? And mm. something I say to people often, like they might be 40 and I'll say, you know, you've got another 40 years to work and they nearly fall off the chair. Yeah. <laughs> That's not very inspiring yeah. for them. Um, but you know, from my point of view, it goes, well, we can really do something. Mm. You know, it's really worth doing something because you've got a long time mm. to have to work in this. But that career stuck can hit high school, um, can hit retirement people. What does mm. retirement look like? doesn't mm. mean not working anymore. So... I feel that it's not just um, just really relevant to one sort of group or type of people. But th- there's also a difficulty. I mean, you talk about that age, you know, 35 to 45, which yeah. I mean, yeah. which is one of which is the sort of time frame you've got lots of responsibilities. Yeah. Your expenses are very high. Correct. Um, you know, say you're in a high income earning job, you, know, you may not have as much flexibility yeah. you know, as what you do when you're really young or when you're older. Like, you mm. You know, you're restricted. Mm. So you, you are restricted and I often talk about what's realistic. So, um, you know, you might want to be an astronaut, but Australia doesn't have a space station. Mm. So what are you thinking? Or you're in Victoria and you want to get into the mining industry because mm. you heard that you can make heaps of money there. Yeah. And I'm going, well, are you, are you ready to move to Perth? Yeah. Sort of thing. So you've got to, that's the realistic. But it's also about at that stage of the career, it might not even be so much about upskilling, but it's about having different challenges. Mm. And that's and do you have autonomy or self direction mm. in your career? And often working towards that as a goal mm. at that later stage of your career. Yeah. And then at the the end of, if you like, of the career it's more about often it's more about how do I give back? Yeah. Um so at different stages different things will work. Because that autonomy is a really important thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Oh, that's what I read about careers. That's almost the number one thing for career enjoyment having autonomy yeah having autonomy being good at what you do Mm. um is also really important and being seen um that you're good at what you do so there's daniel pink which talks about you know mastery autonomy being two and he's a a famous in the Mm. business world yeah talking about that those concepts i'm actually reading one of his books at the moment when yeah okay have you read that one i haven't oh it's all about sort of timing so so the first I'm only sort of part way through the first part, but it's all about, you know, how we have different energy levels at different times okay. during the day and how you know, what work we should do to at different times to help cater to that. You know, even what kids should be doing as well, like what they should be teaching at schools when a kid's, you know, more open to it. So anyway, that's an aside, but it's a really interesting book. It's really interesting. Yeah. I think timing everything is speeding up mm. and the normal the way we work is changing. So work and life that boundary isn't clear anymore. So mm. when you work and when you have life are changing. Mm. So that timing thing is really a but good concept. So back on that, I imagine it can sometimes be difficult for people to know whether they should make a move or not. Like, yeah. like, like, you know, whether it's a mindset shift within their current work that yeah. might help them stay there versus should they actually leave and start something else. Well, I mean, it's a very big decision. So it's a huge ha- decision. How can you? How do you sort of re-decipher whether there's any whether there's changes they can make to their current environment? 
Yeah, good good question. And I often say to people, don't do it alone. Make mm. these big decisions. Like speak to people who you value their input. Mm. Speak to professionals like myself or yourself in financial mm. planning. I think that's mm. really important. Get a lot of different viewpoints. Mm. There's three factors that I would look at for making a change. Um, how bad's your current situation? Mm. And, and sometimes you just – some people might complain loudly, but it's not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or maybe I've just got to hang on six months because new mm. management will mm. come in and, you know. Um, so that would be one thing. So really looking how bad the situation. The second one would be where are you hoping to go and how clear or desirable is that picture? Yeah. You, because if you don't know what you're moving to, you often do just stay where you are. Yeah. Um, and then the third, do you have a plan for it? Because I think if you've got a plan of how do I get to that place I want to be, you're more likely to make a decision and make mm. a change. Mm. So I'll work at all those three levels with mm. people going through that yeah. to help them know if change is good now yeah. or when to make it, how to make it, what mm. to make it to. Yeah. And that probably takes some time for people to work yeah. through that. I mean, It's not usually one conversation. Yeah, exactly. No. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I want to talk uh, uh, once a bit more about um, you know, people changing employment. Obviously, the most uh, and, and gaps that people have in their in their working career. The most obvious one is um, women when they're having kids. Yes. Um, you know, coming back to the workforce after a few years away. I, you know, I don't know how many. It can be five. I suppose it could even be up to ten years. Mm. Uh, and I guess other people have breaks for other reasons as well. Uh, there are more males taking breaks, you know, to look after kids as well. But what's I mean, I suppose the women is the most common one. What's, yeah. What sort of challenges uh, do women have coming back to the workplace after, you know, a period of absence? Um, so th- there, there's some things that I'll pick up in there. So what do we mean by absence? Are we talking mm. about three months, six months or nine years? So there are different mm. challenges depending mm. on – we talked about time before. Yeah. So yeah. that that's a real – issue that I would talk about or not issue but that makes a big difference to the challenge Mm. Um, so that's one that's one aspect Um, the other thing is typically what I see is the person is fundamentally changed so I might look the same when I come back to work Mm. after maternity leave and you'll be like oh Karina the career coach here she is but actually I've fundamentally changed Mm. my needs have changed my lifestyle has changed and I I question whether what I'm currently doing suits my lifestyle. Mm. So I might now need flexibility and that career doesn't offer mm. flexibility. And, yeah, and people are used to you working 18-hour days Yeah, because that's what you did before and Correct. they just assume you'll start doing that again. Correct. Mm. And, the, and my motivation or interest in what I do might have really changed because I've had mm. a life-changing experience. Mm. Um, or your skills can be a real challenge. So personally, what did I experience when I went on mat leave the first time um, or took time out of the workforce was I was in a marketing role and at that time you know if you had web skills and you could update an organization's website that was great mm. I came back nine 12 months later and social media had really gone off mm. in a big way and I didn't have any social media skills at that point and I couldn't go back into my role because yeah. my role had fundamental the, mm. the needs or the skills in the role and that was just a short amount of time mm. so I really needed to go out and get some upskilling in social media like Facebook and yeah. Twitter and all of this because that was a way we were engaging with customers mm. and I didn't have before when I went on maternity leave it was the web mm. you know, so yeah, yeah. that was so for me that was a big challenge but yeah would be it, i imagine it's a real point of stress when mm. people come come back in but as you say 
So, uh, you know, it depends whether or not you've taken six months, nine months off from maternity leave or you've had three kids, you know, pretty quickly. Correct. And, you know, you turn around and before you know it, it's been, you know, six or seven years. And what you've done in that time. So, you know, I spoke to a mum the other day going, I've done nothing, I've just had kids. Mm. And I was like, oh, I thought you organised the uh, school fair that raised $100,000 last year. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did do that. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, I just but, don't see that. No, but she's like, yeah. but I'm an accountant. I'm like, yeah. no, 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 now you've got event organisation skills. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I just never thought about looking at that from a career perspective. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that – or I had a um, – so what you do on your break is also important. Or I had someone that came in that was a social worker before they took a break from the career and they were working with disadvantaged kids and after having their own kids, they just couldn't stomach yeah, working with disadvantage. It was too hard. Yeah. Um, so that – yeah, so things really change. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Oh, so there was something I was going to ask and now I've completely <laughs> slipped my mind. As we were talking, but oh yes, that's right. I mean, you work with businesses as well, obviously. Yes. So, how have businesses got gotten better, or have they gotten better in terms of helping uh, women coming back from work after having after having kids? Is there still is it still really difficult, or have they improved a lot? Well, now we've got mat leave pay, yeah. So that's a big difference, yeah. Um, and the decisions influencing that. Um, I think more men are being involved in yeah. that looking after the kids so there's a lot more sharing in terms of businesses um look some companies do have actual programs to support and help people returning back Mm. from having a kid fundamentally i still think they think that reuben who left nine months ago is the reuben they're getting back Mm. and i don't think they really look if your motivations lifestyle Mm. and accommodate to that they Mm. go you know Ruben's the financial planner this is where he is and that's what we need him to do when he comes back yeah except your skills and experience has really changed so Mm. I think there's still a long way we can go Mm. to supporting and is there specific like is there training you know that managers get around around this sort of thing or is it just stuff that they have to pick up on yeah well you know, a common thing that I get from people who come to see me is, oh, my manager doesn't have any kids, so they don't get it. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's – so some leadership managing people training it can really help. Mm. And certainly I go into organisations because it's about having the best people and people have a big impact on customers and your bottom line. And it is about coaching leaders about how to help people who are going through different phases in their mm. life. Um so that can help. But also sometimes it's not a default just because you've got kids, you'll know how to manage someone who's got kids because I yeah. might have a kid that's sick or mm. has different needs or I've just got different values. Mm. And um, so there's a lot that need that training can fill yeah. that gap just to give them different options and see different perspectives yeah. of a way to manage somebody. Yeah. And obviously there's more flexibility now, I suppose, compared to 20 years ago of people you know, working a day a week from home or things like that that seems to be more common but but it is more common but it's also really not there's Mm. a lot of business that go i need you nine to five a small business really can't often take that impact or a job doesn't lend itself to Mm. working from home um Mm. so that sort of thing so sometimes you need to change careers yeah it seems to me also with that i think there was a period of time uh i I read this book the five-hour work week oh yes yeah yeah, yes yes because thing, you know, the guy basically said, you know, go into your boss and tell him, you know, you want to work a day a week from home, and tell him you want to work five days a week from home, yeah, right. and then travel to South America and you know be there for six months of the year and work from there. But I think, um, from what I can see, like 
there was a big trend to you know people wanting to work from home for flexibility and now there's been a, a move back there's certainly all the co-working spaces uh, which have just absolutely burgeoned over the last number of years yes you know people are wanting to to actually have a bit of separation from work and home and that's also technology driven yeah. as well but as I said to you before, I don't. I think the separation there is less separation. I think mm. the boundaries are really blurred. Even yeah. I'm, 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 I've got a phone, so you can call me or you can email me at mm. all times. Even if I'm at the park with the kids, I'm still on mm. for work-wise. Yeah, and that's obviously a real challenge. Correct. I mean, the other the other change is that you know economically we hear that there's great employment, there's full-time employment and the like. But then if you dig under it, they say, well, yes, but there's a lot of under underemployment. People yeah. not working as much as they want to uh, and also there's that big move to sort of gig the gig economy yeah. where you know rather than hiring someone in house I'll just go to Upwork and I'll use get a digital marketer when I need one and I'll get a graphic designer when I'll need one um, but I guess that also creates uh, you know it might be great for, for businesses they can keep their costs down but I imagine there's a, you know there's a flip side of, 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 of people not having the security anymore yeah and that if people, their goal is um, job security, that's one mm. we've got to have a lot of discussion about because mm. in today's world of work, that's a real, that they might get really disappointed mm. because there isn't job security. And as soon as you start realising there's not job security and you accept it, you plan differently. So you think that, you think as a general rule, there's not job security? I don't think anyone would turn around, they're going to be in the same job, in the same mm. company, mm. doing the same thing in mm. 10 years' time, even. Mm. Absolutely not. Not even professors getting tenure. Not there's no government. There's no one that's mm. immune from change. Mm. But it has big financial implications. That because you know I'm just thinking with my financial planner hat on. You know, pe- you know, people are taking on lots of debt. You know, debt. Mm. The debt to income ratio is just ballooned like you know by a factor of 300 percent over the last 20 years. And the assumption that my salary is going to go up. Mm. I think now when we think about careers. Um, and did I talk about the definition of career changing? I can't remember if I've just talked oh. about that or not. Uh, but career, no, I think we did. Well, career used to be this idea where you stayed in a place for a, a bit and then moved to another place. Whereas now we look at careers more being like this moving, never stopping mm. conveyor belt mm. where you get on and you've just got to keep changing and moving. Um, and the reason why I bring I bring that up with the with the transitions and security is. Um, I've lost my thought now. Yeah. What I was thinking. What was your question again? Sorry, Ruben. Um, why I was thinking. I was that. talking about the gig economy, and and, and you, you were saying how career, um, you know, how career is not just a straight line. Like it's not just you get on it and you and you go for it. But you talked about in terms of financial. Uh, in oh, terms sorry. Of I was talking about people taking on lots of debt. Yes. Right, and, and taking on big financial so liabilities now, and having less security with their job. So yeah. career isn't this ladder that you go up. You might take sideward moves. Mm. You might take backward moves. And people mm. often plan financially that their salary is going to continue to go up or stay the same. Yeah. And sometimes you'll take a job because it's a a passion project Mm. and you'll be happy to earn less just because it's got opportunities Mm. and um new up you know new ways of doing Mm. things that you're interested in so yeah it really impacts the way you financially plan it's interesting it's not something that i've necessarily thought of so much that Mm. people need i mean the obvious thing is planning for retirement when Mm. you know your income's going to stop altogether Mm. but um you know people that are on high incomes as you say they may not stay that way forever i guess the biggest example of that is like sportsmen. Isn't yeah, it? Like, like great example. That's, the, that's you know they hit their early thirties and they're 
you know, their incomes just drop massively. Correct. Um, and they've gotten a big lot of money before they've had big debt mm, necessarily. That's so, right. yeah, there's a lot of stuff in that in that space. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit more. I mean, it's not exactly about career changes, but, uh, you know, we discussed that you do uh, help people as well with like a transition from uh, transition to sort of retirement. Mm. First of all, I mean, the whole notion of retirement, I think, has changed quite a bit i mean Mm. you know once you know we talk about you know when you're 65 years old you had you got a gold watch and you had all your super yeah they had a big party and you never cat and you left right but in those days you know your life expectancy was a lot lower yeah and people maybe only lived for another 10 or 15 years Mm. now you've also got a very long long time in retirement as well so and, and and from what i see as well from a lot of reasons and certainly financially it helps people to still keep working part-time mm. you know, the amount of income that you earn say you know let's say you were to earn an income of twenty thousand dollars a year you know that's almost equivalent to having four or five hundred thousand dollars in investments yes. you know yes. so actually the you know financially it makes an enormous impact but just tell me a little bit about the work you do with people who are you know who are coming to the end of their careers or the end of their full-time careers yeah, sure. So you're absolutely right. Retirement is not a full stop anymore. It's just talked about the next phase in career. So it's actually a stage in career as opposed mm. to the end of your career. Um, and it's about often it's about talking to them about getting back to the work they really want to do mm. or about giving back but, but still being paid in that. Um, so they might be put on as a consultant or, you know, in, in some capacity like that. That might be the work that they want to do. And often retirement, you just talk about it in terms of finance, housing, Mm. that sort of thing. And what I talk to people is the lifestyle. So if you've been a hard worker because that's what you've had to do or that's how you work, um, what do you do when you don't work? Mm. Do you have any hobbies or interests? And, you know, I get people that say to me, I've never had a hobby, Karina. I've never had time for a hobby. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I often talk to them hobby (laughs) correct i haven't had to be at home with my husband or wife in the same space for that long yeah and have to talk to them about what i'm doing and why i'm doing it and where i'm going to be and so i really talk about those lifestyle implications Mm. of what is it that you're going to do when you're not working and how do you redefine and re-identify with yourself so Mm. often people identify with their career and often i try to talk to people about success and impact is not just career or the job that you're paid to do. There's mm. lots of, you know, you're on the radio as well mm. as doing financial mm. planning. There's lots of aspects to you. So when you retire, you know, you kind of go, oh, he's an interesting fellow. There's lots of um, areas that we could develop more. And whether mm. that be in a health sense that you want to work in that, whether you want to go and do speaking, you know, there's lots of options. But I sort of talk to people about that next chapter mm. And if you're going to work, you might want to work less. And it's about yeah. changing the way you work is more the conversation I have with people at that stage because mm. often they don't want to work nine to five anymore. But do your op- as you get older, I mean, do your options in terms of, you know, the options available to you for work, do they really start to close in? Like, uh, it depends. Like, like I, I was going out to listen to music the other day and the conductor was 90 years old. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And you've got Warren Buffett who's 80 yeah. plus still doing what he did all the time yeah you got the queen being the queen and so you know if you're doing a physical job and when i've been in manufacturing roles i can definitely see how age makes you slower yeah and your 
physical ability does change and so there are definitely some jobs like building and yeah. even truck driving and things physical stuff correct yeah um but the kind of jobs that we do i can't mm. see why you know as long as you've got your health and your mental faculties why yeah. you wouldn't continue doing mm. it mm. Um, and if you don't have the physical or mental and that combination then you're probably not fit for um, or most paid work anyway. Mm, mm. But there is ageism in the workplace. So yeah. there are, you know, the idea that you'll get hired, someone will get hired over you because of your mm. your age. Um, so that's real and alive. It's actually interesting. I, I can't remember which was one of the accounting firms or the law firms. Yes. You know, in those sort of businesses, they're always trying to, you know, it's all about maximising profit and revenue. And there was some compulsory retirement age I can't remember what it was, but it was something ridiculously young. Yeah. Like something like in your mid-50s. Something wow. crazy like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember who told me about it, but it was one of those Yeah. One of those sort of cutthroat type things. And you would have thought, oh, they're, they're a big firm. They should have, they, you know, they should be sensitive to all this kind of thing. Interesting. And it's just like... Yes. Like, no. Yeah. And like, as I said, 65, you're likely these days to still live to 85, 90. Mm. Um, that's still a lot of years. So should people, I mean, <laughs> is it realistic for people to start, I don't know, planning for that early on or, or you know, like in your 50s? No, one, you has there, ever, no one ever does. No do one's that. ever regretted planning early. Yeah. But we talked right at the beginning of today about preventative versus crisis. Yeah. And you'll know in your business, I'm yeah. sure in financial planning, people come to you more when they're in crisis mode than in, mm. um, you know, in that other space which is much more helpful yeah, yeah. well in some way ways what we've got going for us is there's a lot of you know there's a lot of people out there saying well you've got to get advice you've got to get your things in order like there mm. is a lot of that there is a lot of that out there yeah uh, traditionally in our you know traditionally financial planning i mean apart from life insurance which was just that pure sort of sales side you know when i started working in it you know 90 percent of the clients were people who were retiring yes that was pretty much it yes. it's changed uh it's changed enormously. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so there are other. I mean, so lots of at retirement. There's lots of life, other lifestyle considerations as well um, yes. that you help people work with, work through. Yeah. So it's getting back in touch with your interests, yeah. your values, um, how you want to contribute, um, the way you want to work. So not everyone wants to help with the grandkids. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, that's a common assumption. Oh, your daughter's just had a baby. You definitely want to, you know, go down to three days a week to look after them. No, actually. <laughs> you know, and yeah. um, so it's having really – it's also encouraging my my clients to have courageous conversations with their family members to actually say, my retirement isn't looking after your kids. Yeah. And that's yeah. because there can be a lot of clash because my expectation is, oh, mum will go down. She's at retirement age. She'll go down to three or four days mm. a week. And that sort of things, and and it's not always the case. No. Okay. Well, we're coming towards the end of the show, uh, but one of the questions I always ask people is for their three top tips. So, based on the discussion we've, we've got today, just in uh, a couple of minutes or less, can you give me your three top tips for people managing career transitions? Yeah. <laughs> How do you boil it down? Uh, well, first one I'd say is career resilience. So that's your ability to be open and ready for change um, uh, and, and certainly don't do it alone. I encourage people. It's a big decision. It is hard. And um, so when you're transitioning careers, get, get help and remain flexible and have confidence and courage. The next one would be um, 
stay skilled. So mm. we talked a lot about not thinking of that slingshot mm. sort of model of loading up right at the beginning and never having to go and touch a book again. Um, and, you know, with things like YouTube and things like that, you can self-teach and upskill. It yeah. doesn't have to be – you can be quite creative about it. Mm. And the last one is stay networked. Most people get roles through who they know. Mm. Um, so keep your networks well and alive and fed and yeah. <laughs> happening. And that would be my three – tips for people transitioning careers okay terrific Karina thank you very much for your time today it's been a lot of fun the, the uh, 40 minutes went really quickly thanks uh, Ruben thanks so, for having um, me we will uh, hopefully get you on the show at another time in the future maybe this is episode 41 so you know hopefully we'll be going for a long time thank you Ruben okay we're just going to have a quick break and then I'll be back for my propeller head of the week okay now it is time for my propeller head of the week Propellerhead of the Week. Now, the Propellerhead of, of the Week this week is about an app which I use all the time called Voxer. It is basically an app that allows you to leave short and sharp voice messages. It's fantastic. I use it with my staff. Uh, it's easier than sending an email, particularly when you're, when you're on the road. Uh, I know this functionality exists in other apps. It exists in WhatsApp or SMSs as well. Uh, but WhatsApp is really more about written messages and pictures. Voxer is purely voice messages, uh, and I reckon focusing on that, it does a fantastic job. Okay, well, thanks very much for listening today. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, please head over to uh, our iTunes account, The Finance Hour, and leave us a rate and review. Uh, as I said, you can find all the old uh, all the old episodes on the, uh, the, the Finance Hour app or also on the Adapt Wealth website. Thanks very much for listening today, and we'll see you again next week.